1: Hello there. Welcome to All Things Therapy. It's so awesome to be with you all today. I hope that you're well wherever you are listening or watching from. I happen to be in New Orleans. It is my first time back in a while and I'm feeling a lot of gratitude. I came back to New Orleans yesterday and found uh the outside of my house in a lot more disarray from Hurricane Ida than what the pictures had shown. And my dad was with me. And I, my appreciation is centered around the way he showed up for me. I started to feel like I was going to have an emotional meltdown, being overwhelmed with where to start and the things that had fallen all over the yard, way too heavy and large for me to handle and move. And he just started making calls. And all of a sudden all these people showed up and started sawing apart rotten wood and moving it. And I just am sharing that because it really, um, stood out at, you know, there are times in life where we feel like it's just us. I know I've had those times and yesterday was one of those moments where I started to feel so overwhelmed and he just took out his phone and made calls and really showed up for me. So, and you know, it helped me to say, dad, I really, I really need some help. I'm not even sure where to start. So for you listening, for you watching, put that out there when you need some help, try to ask for it. It can be hard, especially if you're used to doing things on your own or feeling like you have to, or you don't want to be a burden. One of those old messages and storylines a lot of us carry into our adult lives and also, look for ways you can show up for other people, you know, to take out your phone and make some calls or text and help out a friend, a loved one. We really are so connected. And for me, I try to just keep that at the forefront of my mind. And it can be hard when things happen unexpectedly. We tend to lose sight of that. So I just invite you, encourage you to, to be there for others and for yourself. You can find more about my work through my website and connect. If you want to have me as your therapist, I am taking new clients. I'd love to work with you on phone, Zoom, FaceTime, or Skype. I see clients worldwide. And simply go to nolatherapy.com. It stands for New Orleans, Los Angeles, therapy.com. That's also my social, social media handles on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, N-O-L-A. T H E R A P Y dot com. And when you go there, you can find links to order my book having to do with healing our deepest vulnerabilities and wounds, the parts of ourselves we tend to edit, hide from others, feel ashamed about, even in some cases. And my book helps you really look at those through more loving and supportive eyes, the eyes of your heart, your inner eyes of awareness. And It's endorsed by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. Such an honor to have His Holiness's endorsement on my book, nolatherapy.com. And if you have not subscribed and written a review of All Things Therapy podcast, I invite you to do that. For podcasters, it's how our show gets in front of more people. And I've been doing that for the podcast hosts that I've been on and the podcasts I like. I've been taking time to do a written review. It can be a little tricky in iTunes. You have to click on the podcast, scroll down until it gives you the option to rate and review. But take that time out. It really matters. And it's a way you can show up for me, for others, and the podcasters that are, you know, we're taking our time to do this. And I love Doing this and connecting with you in that way. And lastly, before I bring my guest on, I want to introduce you to my long term sponsor. BetterHelp.com is a HIPAA secure online therapy platform. You can connect with a counselor in less than 24 hours. They do offer financial aid if you qualify. And as my listener, they're giving you 10% off your first month to try them out. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash A-T-T, and I'll spell it out, dot com forward slash A-T-T to check them out. Okay, guest segment. Hello. I am delighted to have on the show with me another fellow podcaster whose podcast I was on. Today, we are with Beauty Jamili Whitfield. She is a licensed clinical social worker, the same degree, certification that I have. And (laughs) Beauty is a first generation Latina woman who is a public speaker and educates about the importance of diversity, awareness, and diversity itself in mental health for black and indigenous people of color. We're gonna talk about that today as well as she hosts Beauteous Me podcast and go check it out. I was a guest and I asked for beauty to come on my show. I really enjoyed our conversation and which will also be in the show notes at imbeauteousme.com. Welcome beauty. How are you? I'm so good, Lisa.
0: Thank you so much for having me here. So excited to be here on your show. Guys, Lisa is an amazing host and a guest. So this is just such an honor to be here. And I'm so grateful that you had reached out. So I'm I'm a little bit geeked out at this moment.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, I'm really happy to talk to you, Beauty, as I was sharing before we came live, not only about the cultural components and a few topics you raised brought back to my memory, in our in our conversation, but also that you are a trauma therapist, and yes. I'm curious, where do you want to start with us today?
0: Yeah, so I, we can start anywhere. You know, trauma is, is something that's near and dear to me because I am also a survivor of trauma, and so as, as a survivor and now in the role of healer, as a therapist, it is so important to. Pre- preach to the black and brown community how we support one another in in our mental health forum.
1: Yes, and I know I know the video is a little slow, beauty. I'm okay. distracted for a moment. Um, you know, I'm okay to just keep going. The audio, I, my computer is very slow since I am in New Orleans and the Hurricane Ida damages have affected everything. I'm thinking yeah. to just keep going. Are you okay with that? Because I can hear you fine. I'm okay. Um,
0: wh- whatever works for you. You you tell me and then we can keep going. This is the premise of having an organic conversation, right?
1: <laughs> whatever oh, it works it for is. you. It is. Okay, great. Yeah, let's just keep going. Because okay, I know also in your work, you speak about intergenerational trauma, which really stood out to me. Can you talk to us about what that is and why it's important? Yeah. So
0: when I look at a client, I always, you know, as social workers, we have to do something in school called the genogram. We have mm. to take a big picture. I know I'm, I'm bringing you back to social work 101 on one days, so much. right? Yes. time. <laughs> but yes. when we go and and the tool of a genogram, it's basically to understand your family patterns, family histories, disruption in families. If there've been any deaths, if there've been any divorces, it's like a big, clear picture of, What's happened with your family? Now, when you work with an individual, it's important for us to take a step back and say, So, this is what you're experiencing. What happened with your mother? What happened with your father? What happened with your grandmother? We look at the generations of experiences. When we look at domestic violence, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you look at victims of domestic violence, there's a high percentage that their mothers have also been victims of domestic violence. Or have experienced some sort of issue in the home, whether it was with a spouse, a partner, or even with a parent. We look at abuse, neglect, substance abuse, alcoholism. We look at the family patterns and history of alcohol use, of substance use, and how that's been passed on generation to generation into our kids. So when we do trauma work, it is important to not only look at the individual, but look at the family. And look at Mm -hmm. what the family is experiencing. And so if if I have a mental illness and my mother suffers from depression and my childhood, I always saw my mom in bed crying. Mm -hmm. What does that say about me and what my receptors and what I've received as a child with love and connection? So now I enter a relationship as an adult. I might have an insecure attachment because I'm, I'm worried that you don't love me because My mom's mental illness has impacted me. Yes. And it's impacted how I show up into this world. So when we talk about intergenerational pain and trauma, we look at ourselves, but we also have to look at, at the people who raised us and where we came from.
1: Beauty, yes. And I was thinking as you were just describing that scenario for a child and even a a teenager to see, to just go with your example, one's mother who's depressed. I think that happens often. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I saw my mom being depressed and crying and, and, you know, it took her away from being able to care for me, to be able to show up emotionally for me. And I always wondered, like, what did I do you know, like, yes. and kids, even teenagers, adolescents, we tend to mm-hmm. think it's something we're doing. And mm-hmm. then we carry that into our adulthood and something happens in a personal relationship. And it's like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And, and often it might not be related to you at all, but it feels like it is. And then that can become yeah. so debilitating because of what we experience. So I, I really agree. Having awareness of those patterns helps. It's, it's what do we do beyond lovely. that? So
0: beyond that is stopping it. You have the ability to stop that intergenerational curse, that intergenerational trauma. It starts with you. It starts with your healing. You know, looking for a therapist to really do that trauma work and and do a deep dive into your coping skills, into negative patterns, negative coping skills, into different relationship issues. We think about trauma shows up everywhere. Trauma shows up how you show up as an employee, It shows up how you show up with your finances in relationships, parenting, friendships. If you're able to sustain and maintain friendships, look at how you show up as an employee. But how many jobs are you moving from? Because there's this this um, need to either change before someone gets to know you or do you have a fear of rejection? How do you show up when someone doesn't accept you for a position or you, you only right. hear parts of a story when someone is trying to give you constructive feedback, but you're not able to hear the full story because all you hear is that negative and how horrible or terrible you think you are. And so where it starts is really trying to do the inner healing work. And I could share with you, Lisa, that you yeah. know as a trauma survivor, um, when my son hit his uh, peak of pre-adolescence and adolescence, it was very hard for me to accept hugs from him from the back. And that is mm. my own trauma response because of the abuse, the, the, the sexual abuse I experienced as a child. And so when yes. he came to a certain age, I had to set my boundaries and tell him, you know, Michael, when you hug me, can you help me from the front? I need to know that you're coming from the front or from the side. And it took some time to kind of deprogram it. because as a little kid, you're coming, you hug your parent from the back that I was safe at that time. But yeah. the age, where he was peaking was my age where I experienced my trauma. And so yes. there was that pattern for me where I, it, it was just bringing stuff up for me. And I had to have a conversation with him and say, hey, you know, mommy experienced something that wasn't really good. And so when you do that, it kind of alarms me. So I feel safer if you come from the front because I see where you're coming from and, and, and it, it took him some time but then he was able to grasp it like that, that's the beauty of being a therapist and, and having a child is that they' they're more in tune to things and, yes. um, and and some parents might not have that conversation but I, I think it's it, it's okay to be honest because if I rejected him then what would be my son's love language and and, and what he would look for in a relationship with a female? It would it be right. a, a insecure attachment because you feel like you no one loves you because you were rejected at this point. And I don't want to do that to my son.
1: What a beautiful job you did there with him, mm-hmm. beauty. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and I think that insecure attachment style is something a lot of us I've had to work on, I still work on as well as being a trauma survivor, that I'm really sensitive to the nuance of other people's energy. And it's helped me immensely in being a therapist, a healer, in being an empathic person. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many gifts and benefits that like, I I love having the sensitivity, but other times it can can be challenging because I sense things in others close to me, especially if they pull away, you know, and there's not like, Yeah. Like any conversation about that or like, Hey, you know, like without kind of uh, some understanding, you know, it starts to feel rejection. Yeah. Yeah. Rejection. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Cause I think there's a lot of us even with the awareness and, and having a lot of healing even to navigate that. Yeah. And,
0: and, you know, as we do healing work, a lot of it is self reflection and understanding your triggers. The minute that you're able to understand your trigger It's with like cognitive behavioral therapy. Your thoughts impact how you feel, how you feel impacts how you're showing up into this world, how you behave. And so if my thought pattern is I'm I'm rejected, the feeling is, oh my God, no one loves me. The behavior is I'm angry that you don't love me because I give you this love. And so when Mm -hmm. when we take hold of our thoughts and say, okay, what is this? I, I always tell my clients, stop yourself and say, what is this? Is this about me? What is it that I'm feeling? And when you're able to do that and look within and you say, oh, this is my rejection coming up. Red flag, red flag. Now I'm paying attention to it. Now I don't take it personal if someone does something. I don't feel like I have to retaliate. I don't get depressed. I don't have to like go through this dark orbit circle that people then can get into when they kind of, when that rejection comes up, that you're just like spiraling. Like, oh my God, let me, did I do something wrong? Should I text them and yeah. be like, I'm sorry, but what are you saying sorry for?
1: Exactly. It just be
0: simple that I was busy for two days and I couldn't respond to your email. It wasn't anything personal. You don't have to go yes. ahead and say, sorry, we're human. We're all going through things. So the minute that you're able to identify, is it rejection? Is it fear of rejection? Is the fear of failure? What what is the, the, the gremlin inside of you, that negative mindset, that that story that we tell ourselves? What is it that's coming up to the surface? How do we identify it and say, okay, I'm safe, relax and come back down?
1: Yes. You know, and I think too, beauty, in, in other situations, it might be that the other person was triggered by us and they're having their own reaction. They might not be as a, as aware, they might not. Know how to communicate it or what to say, and sometime mm-hmm. allowing them to have some time yeah. you know and then and then maybe having the conversation i've i've learned can be helpful because we 're all you know triggers. For those of you listening, I talk in my book about them being an unhealed energetic attachment, and it's yes. kind of like this invisible landmine. And we often don't quite know they're there until someone steps on it. Oh, yeah, in some <laughs> yeah, in some kind of way, emotionally or even physically, and then it's like, oh my gosh, you're you're react, you know, reacting with all of these layers yeah. of emotion, and then our behaviors are affected. And it's really, you know, I believe relationships are such the container for healing and change. Mm -hmm. And with those people, you know, when you can, when two people can allow each other to be triggered and then work through it, you're able to really heal fully and more deeply. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to us about how you help people, you know, with those triggers, even in your own life?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, one of the approaches that I really love using um, with my adolescents um, is trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. We're focusing on the trauma, but we're we're focusing on the thought patterns, the emotions, the mm-hmm. behaviors, the triggers, um, and and moving forward from there with your trauma narrative, with in vivo um, exposure. Um, it's the same thing with cognitive behavioral therapy with the adults. It's a lot of it is challenging their their thought process, but digging into their childhood. Digging back into when did this shift start? When did you notice a change? And these are the tools that we can use to move forward. Now, everyone utilizes a different approach, right? I'm Mm -hmm. not um, a therapist that will sit here and say, well, I only do this modality because that's not the same approach for everyone. You can take bits and pieces from DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, you could take pieces of CBT. You can, you can use tr- uh, narrative work, whatever it is. Everyone is so unique and different. We're all unique individuals. There's no cookie cutter poach. So I really go off of where, where the client is. I go off of where they are in their journey. So some of it might be spiritual and I respect everyone's spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I bring sometimes spirituality into, into play in our therapy sessions, because if that's important to you, let me learn about whatever your spiritual journey is or what your beliefs are. And how do I tap into that to also support you? So it's it's a huge box that we have to use in order to support someone in doing the trauma work. But a lot of it is identifying. So we do, um, it's almost like, I, I always say it's like putting puzzle pieces together. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what fits here. What doesn't fit here? This quite didn't fit here. Let's move on to this. And and it takes some time until we start unpeeling the, the onion. Yeah, yeah. And we start unpeeling the onion and then we're able to see, okay, this is where it is. It, it, some people get there faster and some people don't. It really depends on your level of trauma and, and your brain. You know, your brain goes through something um, intense when you suffer from trauma. We think about yeah. your cortisones, your dopamine levels, your receptors. And, and sometimes we go through brain fog. So if people are forgetful, people, it's not intentionally. It's, this is their trauma response. So it takes sometimes right. people a little bit longer, but when they get there, it is beautiful it's beautiful when you're able to identify. It's a journey. And, and you know it as a healer, um, as a survivor, it is a journey. Even as a professional, I, I, I can tell you any tool. It's always a journey. But the beauty about it is identifying, knowing your triggers, and, and knowing where you are, and then reshifting and re, refocusing or, or reversing engineer as often as you can.
1: I like that. Yeah. You know, also, Beauty, we were speaking before coming on. And since you offer this aspect, being that you are first generation Latina, mm-hmm. Dominican parents, correct? Yeah. yeah. I'm first generation Pakistani, Pakistani father, Irish mother. And you brought up something that really struck a chord of remembrance for me when you spoke (laughs) about children of immigrant parents growing up in the U.S. and then going through, you know, trying to fit in with friends and the cultural differences affecting that process of socialization. Can we spend some time there? Absolutely.
0: Oh, my goodness. So, you know, being raised as a first generation um, in this country, you know, your parents, if you are a child of immigrant, your parents, the first thing that they instill in you is that you better be grateful. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Gratitude has been shown to us at such a young age, you better yeah. be grateful that they sacrificed their entire life for you to be here. And so yeah. you, you never let go of it. So some of that can be traumatic, because you feel like, When you parent or when you address things, your response is people should be grateful because this is what what we got here. But we look at the assimilation. We look at acculturation. When being a first generation in the Latino culture, and and there's a lot of different cultures that we share similarities, Mm -hmm. women are... Um, submissive to men and women are Mm -hmm. expected to be submissive to men. And so the expectation is that you have a husband, you serve your husband, you serve your children. And it's almost as if you're a slave to your home, to your your spouse, to that environment. And at a very young age, you're taught to clean for your brothers. If you have brothers, you're Mm -hmm. taught to serve your brothers first, serve the men first, then you come next. Yes, same in Pakistani
1: culture, absolutely.
0: They come first. Even if, if my brothers hung out with friends, I couldn't go anywhere because they could hang out. They can bring girlfriends home. They can experience all of that. I couldn't. Now, I've always been a little bit of a rebel. And I've always challenged the narrative. And I'm like, so what? The only difference that we have is our gender. And that shouldn't make a difference because I should be able to be entitled to this. So could you imagine bumping heads? I have a strong personality. Yeah. I would challenge the narrative. That is unfair. If my brother is able to bring a girlfriend home, why can't I bring a boyfriend? If my brother's able to hang out with his friends till this time, why can't I hang out with my friends till this not time? Good for you. Why do I have to wash the walls? that With uh, my hands and knees and scrubbing, why can't they wash the walls? I'm not mm-hmm. washing their laundry. I'm washing my So it, I challenge, oh my God, my parents, we laugh about it till this day. And, and yes. I appreciate it now. But before it was just like, I was disrespectful. I disrespected our culture. Like I even... My uncle, I always, sh- I share this story in, in a book that I'm collaborating with. My uncle came, my father sponsored my my uncle. And at that time when they were, you were able to sponsor families, like you could bring your entire family. So it was like my uncle, all his kids, his wife, yes. and half of them lived with us. And the other half lived upstairs. You know, the families lived in different apartments in the building. And I remember him waking up my cousin at two o'clock in the morning because she didn't wash the dishes and wow. whipped my cousin, because she didn't wow. wash the dishes. And that stood out for me, where I looked at my father and I was like, don't you ever, yeah. <laughs> ever think yeah. that you're gonna wake me up at two in the morning and and spank me with a belt, cause I didn't wash the dishes. And I felt horror for my cousin, yeah. I felt so bad because my uncle thought it was that important that the dishes weren't washed, you're disrespectful, you're supposed to be a servant. And now I look at my cousins as adult women and they still assimilate to those roles, unfortunately, and in serving their men, their husbands, their spouse, their children, or whatever. And yes, they, and it was hard. And imagine they immigrated to this country. I'm first generation, and I'm watching that, and I'm like, I will never, I, I, I won't ever do that to my child, and I don't ever want to be a part of that. But the struggle, and th- that's traumatic in and of itself, because you're fighting with your family to be Americanized, like some of your friends, but your family's fighting you at home to be inculturated with your culture.
1: Yeah, I remember that being confusing sometime. My dad as well brought over from Pakistan, his brothers and sisters, and they would all live with us yeah. as well when they first got here. Yeah. And that would be really awesome. But just it was not awesome when the level of violence like you're describing as well, that culture, yeah. there's so much violence. And there's growing so up oh, Yeah around that it was it was like terrifying, you know, yeah. and and so just having that component along with you know, the family, it, there were also some really wonderful memories of growing up with my aunts and uncles yeah, and your trying to figure out. Yeah. My great. Yes. Daddy of mine dad of boo, lived with yeah. us for a while and there was the language barrier, but yeah. we all figured it out. But there was also, you know, it was confusing because once they started all coming over, the household changed. It was like you serve the men first. And I'm kind of like, what?
0: Right, like, like all of a sudden. Like, I never and did my mom
1: before. Yeah. And my mom who's Irish just fell in line. Like Lisa, that's what you do. So it was like, suddenly I am like this servant and clean. Like, you know, it was just kind of super confusing and I felt really trapped. I felt really. So I started, I turned to alcohol and drugs young to cope instead of standing up for myself like you did. Yeah. And, and kind of sneaking around and out and and such to to try to cope and manage with the the level. You probably
0: didn't want the whooping. I was like, give me the whooping because I'm not like, doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you make me kneel on that
1: cheese grater because I'm not doing that. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. I guess we, we rebelled in our own way. We did. You we know, did. finding our independence, finding our autonomy in our own way. Yeah. Though though it was different at the time. And fortunately, my female cousins grew up to be really strong women, as have I. So we all did finally stand up to this kind of treatment and like, no, this is abuse. I know when I started learning more about what healthy love is and healthy parenting and Mm reparenting myself, I was like, you know, really coming out to my family about this is abuse. It will stop now. This will not go on ever again under my watch, so to mm-hmm. speak, you know, and my family did start to change. So but it took uh, took a long time, it, you know, it and it was because that's that yeah. your family
0: grew up and that was the expect- it's a norm. It's a norm. This is why when I've done family work, I have to ask, also always ask, what was discipline like as a child? It's so important to know run right away to say, Hey, I'm going to call child protective services and remove these children from this abusive environment without you understanding intergenerational trauma. You yes. have to understand where they came from and how they were parented and how they grew up.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's important. It's important. And and it. of course that was the rebellious one, but I, I'm grateful and, and, You know, you have to stand up for for yourself at, at times because I go back home and I love going back home, but I still see the women being very much submissive and servants to their men.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my family as well, there's been so much positive change. And when we do all get together at my extended family's house, it is and they're they're Muslim. So, you know, I've kind of come to even enjoy when you know the men go first to eat but that doesn't bother me anymore because Mm -hmm. everyone like all the we all clean up together and it's become Mm -hmm. really fun like we drink tea and we all kind of you know they also have like housekeepers and stuff to come in now versus when we were young so it feels different I feel like I'm like okay this is like tradition thousands of years old and I can come in and kind of go with it knowing this isn't how it is in my house, Mm -hmm. but it feels different now being an adult and there's no more abuse. So Mm. that was, that was a factor for me. The abuse was the problem, not necessarily the tradition. Yeah. The abuse, the
0: expectations, you know, I I look at alcoholism in the Dominican culture and it's real, you know, people are drinking, Mm. drinking and drinking. And I look at alcoholism as I was growing up and all my uncles, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the house drinking. And my cousins and I joke that, we would wait for them to be drunk to then ask our uncles for money. We would put on a show. I was a ballerina, <laughs> so I would put my ballerina dancing. My brother liked to break dance. He would do his break dancing moves. Like we would all put on a show just to get money from our uncles. But you you look at it now as a therapist, and you're just like, wow, there was a lot going on in the family, and alcoholism oh, was just, you know, it, it. Unfortunately, I had an uncle who passed from cirrhosis of the liver. I had an uncle thank you, um, who, you know, is sick. And, and, and you know, I, I look back and I'm always remind myself, and I have honest conversations with my son, alcoholism runs in our family. You gotta be mindful yeah. now that you're a teenager and you're experimenting. We, I have to be honest because it's it's genetic at this point.
1: Right. And to cultivate a healthy relationship with alcohol, right? it helps to have right. that awareness of right. the intergenerational um, patterns in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Beauty, can we talk about your podcast as well, yes. Beauty is Me? I want yes. you to share that with our listeners today.
0: Yeah, guys. So uh, the Beauty is Me podcast, I started it in October, uh, September of 2019, um, just as a collection of stories. I started it off sharing some of my personal journey, and then I branched off to having guests. And I wanted people, everyone who joined the show and every guest who still joins to this day, to share their journey But also how they made it to a path of resiliency. So everyone has experienced something, and how did you get there? So I always my first question for all of my guests is, tell us about your story. Everyone Mm -hmm. has such a unique story as to why they're doing the work that they're doing, why they're passionate of coaching, healing, um, bringing about awareness to certain things. There's something inside of them, and I think the uniqueness about human beings is just coming out and portraying to help someone else. You know, you sharing your journey, you sharing as a clinician um, at, at your book, the Dalai Lama, just, and I told you, I read it on the Chiron and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm really like <laughs> mind blown about it because of that. You. I said, I, I love reading about different things. And I was like, that's my Chiron. I have a book about it. I bought the book and now you shared this book. You know, it's, it's important for people to hear different stories and how they can heal because my, my, my way of, of healing someone as a therapist might not work for you is someone who does spiritual practices or work or journey might help. Someone who's a coach might help for you. Whatever we can do to help anyone, that is the purpose of of the Beautious Me podcast, to have my listeners feel like they have a place at home and and come out of there with tools to help them in their individual journeys.
1: Yeah, I love that about your podcast so much and the highlight of the resiliency piece, because everything we go through when we begin to start making some meaning of it is when I know I felt, those big shifts inside from being in despair and disempowered to feeling to feeling empowered, to feeling like this is going to, you know, I'm going to be better. I'm going to, you know, how to use this as my gift because yeah. everyone, we've all experienced something that's been hard. And, you know, ongoingly, even the challenges of the last almost two years can, has, brought about if you allow it resiliency yeah. Yeah. within you and new skills to cope mm-hmm. you know beyond what what I think a lot of us have ever had to so I love your resiliency message and really noting what those are
0: yeah i always say your story is my story cuz we have different backgrounds we share being first generation immigrants we share being licensed clinical social workers we share different healing work your story is my story that that's the beauty of human beings is that you know if we think about it we're all people say we're all brothers and sisters there is Mm -hmm. some truth to it there is some interconnectedness with all of us just as, as human beings and I'm all about promoting that and for us to be a more you know cohesive and loving world and environment that's my dream.
1: <laughs> Absolutely beauty. Yes. So I'm curious, what what is something that you're excited to do that you haven't done yet? Or what are you working on? Yeah, so
0: I'm really excited. I'm part of this book project. It's called Latina Women Who Boss Up. So it's a collection of stories from different Latina women who are sharing their journey, how they've elevated um, in their business, in their education, being first generation Latinas in this, in this country and have broken barriers to reach where they're at. So I'm excited about that. It should be coming out soon. Um, excited about a summit that I have coming up in January. Okay. Um, this is a summit. It's right in January for a reason. I have different speakers presenting to help people level up their 2022 goals. This is the beginning of the year. How do we help you financially shift your mindset with your health, wealth and well-being, mental health? whatever it is to help you have all the tools and resources so that 2022 can be the year that you break
1: barriers, you level up and and you get to where you want to get. I love that. You know, and what you said, is so important as far as uh, what you were saying, just called to my mind yeah. total health, like really holistic health, yeah. and reminded me of a conversation I had with a client yesterday experiencing some physical issues. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her about this issue is more than just something happening in her stomach, since the doctors haven't been able to find something, and talking Emotional about. Trauma. Yeah. The, the roles of our emotions. And can you talk to us about that? That just came up because we were just sharing your new stuff. Of course. So I will share with you one
0: activity that I always do with my clients because trauma lives in your body. Mm -hmm. I I have you and I, and I want people to, to think about probably doing this, but draw an outline of your body, head, shoulders, legs, your torso, arms. And I want you to pinpoint where do you feel each, each emotion. Anger, love, happiness, uh, sadness, jealousy, depression, whatever those emotions that you have, strong emotions, pinpoint where do you feel them in your body? When you're getting angry, do you feel your arms, your hands Mm -hmm. sweating? Or do you feel your stomach? Is anxiety in your stomach? Is anger in your stomach? What's in your stomach or heart? And I want you to color them different colors for the different emotions, match them. So that when you see the bigger picture, you're like, oh my goodness, this is why I have back pain. This is why my stomach is always in disarray, all of my emotions, I'm carrying it here, here, or here. And and, and I think it's important because when it, healing is not just a one-step process. As I right. said, you have to pull from every toolbox to help you out. And looking at that picture, when you take a step back, and I've had clients be like, oh, this is why. This is why.
1: Now, now I you love pay attention
0: what... to your shoulders and everything.
1: Yes. I love what you're sharing. I actually asked the client yesterday to, when she's thinking certain thoughts, where does she feel them in her body? Like you're saying, I'm going to borrow from you if that's okay and ask her to draw it out. I have not thought of that. But like you said, like to notice when I'm having an anxious thought, like I know for me, I shared with her, I'll feel that more in my chest. And when I have like a sad thought, I might feel that more in my stomach, in my heart and to, you know, model for her, like, and then she was like, Oh, okay, I got it. Like, and then she was able to start identifying what, what, and she noticed like the temperature rate, she starts to get sweaty, like her temperature rises when she feels anxiety. And so, and I think that's true for a lot of us. And once you have that information, you can start to identify sooner in the process. I think how to shift your thoughts, how do you work with people and, and yourself?
0: Yeah, so when we have you identify, let's just say it's your stomach. Then the next time you're feeling something, your stomach is hurting you. Is it IBS? Is it this? Or your knees bulking? Whatever it is, you're paying attention. What was my thought before? What was my thought two days before? What are my thoughts now? And you would then identify. Oh my God, I saw something in the news that worried me, and I realized I've carried this in my stomach, this anxiety again, here in my stomach, whether it's seeing the numbers rise of COVID or vaccine, whatever it is, like whatever Whatever it is for you that's going on, that's causing like this anxiety, paying attention to it to say, aha, this is what it is. It's also paying attention holistically to like what you're eating. Is it, is the anxiety caused by coffee consumption? I know for me, like I, I, my tolerance has been lower and lower and lower and i've noticed when i have certain coffees my my dominican coffee i can't have it often because my heart starts accelerating
1: Because wow, it's so strong i bet it's, yeah it's, i it's love strong. that coffee
0: i me mean, too <laughs> but then i'm 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 now working my brain thinking mm. what am i nervous about so even if i get an email i might misinterpret the email because my body is going it's going yeah. to the anxious mode and i'm thinking oh my goodness uh, fear of rejection all these other things that i have coming up about so you have to really be pay, pay attention. It's it's a holistic approach when it comes to healing. It is important it is. to understand that it's not a one standard cookie cutter approach. Great, congratulations. I hope you find a great therapist. You want me to be a therapist, whatever that is, if you're in New York, but it's a bigger
1: approach. You need to look at the biggest picture. Absolutely, because we're such we're such a big picture. And yes. that's what was exciting to share yesterday with my client. Because sometimes I think we see ourselves in a more limited Sense, Especially around health issues that it resides in the body. And while it does, that's just one component. You know, it also resides in your emotions, in your mind, aka your thoughts. And when you start to play with those, shift those, manipulate those, it'll cause changes in your body.
0: Mm hmm. It, it it will definitely cause changes in your body, and it'll confuse you. So, being very intuned, mindfulness is so important. Mindfulness is being attentive of your surroundings, of yourself, of your awareness is so important. It's a tool that I, I definitely use so that it can click. Because we're busy, we're running as humans, right? We got to get to work. We got to drop off our kids. We got to do this. We got to do that. Taking a step to breathe, and this is what it is, can can help
1: bring insight to so many things. How do you approach mindfulness and even define it beauty, yes. to, to others in yourself?
0: So my definition, everyone can Google the real definition of mindfulness, but my my definition of mindfulness is being present, calming your body mm-hmm. and distracting you from what was um, taking over your emotion. So one thing that I do when I see people getting really riled up in a therapy session and they're crying and, and they're trying to like kind of gather themselves, we do some deep breathing, but then I have them pay attention to the feelings on their legs Mm. wiggle their toes wiggle your hands what does your heart feel what does your stomach feel
1: let's sit Mm -hmm. with that
0: feeling so if you're identifying that your stomach is hurting hold your stomach hold it with both hands what are you feeling what's coming up for you and being just just distracting yourself from whatever else and paying attention to that one thing because as humans we we are we have a media gratification think of how we're addict, addicted to social media and things we're moving to the next thing as fast it's slowing down to focus and we shift your thoughts and your energies.
1: I really like that that definition. It makes it you know less abstract. Yeah. And more useful because at first I found myself Googling, you know, a while back mindfulness and kind of, you know, when you read something, but it's not really registering. Yeah. So I like making it user friendly as far as tuning into this moment and your breath, like you're saying, is one of the best ways to just uh, breathe and look around you and, you know, being right here and, and definitely slowing the mind down and even you know I want to share because my dad shared something yesterday that Mm -hmm. just really struck me I wrote it down and I feel like it has to do with our conversation on mindfulness yeah we were talking about meditating and you know you hear often I'll even say when I facilitate meditations like allow your thoughts to pass like clouds in the sky Mm -hmm. right like so I think most of you are familiar with that euphemism Mm -hmm. and my dad brought up well Lisa Besides just noting your thoughts passing by as clouds, put your worries on them, put your concerns Mm -hmm. on the clouds and imagine them drift. And I've never heard it said that way. And I felt like it was really helpful. It is. Things we're concerned about, just put them on the cloud and watch them like float away. Yeah. And I could feel my body release, even. It was powerful. It, it is. I, you know what? You, you're
0: seeing that. You're, I did a meditation. Um, it was from Deepak Chopra. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And one of them was like a balloon or something. And it was almost similar. It's like releasing okay. the balloon, putting it all in there and watching Ooh, it like to up. Oh, I like that. And, and it, was, it was really impactful for me at that time as going through a forgiveness journey and forgiving, you know, uh, one of the people who abused me. I, I felt yeah. like I had to kind of release it and let it yeah. go and just send it up in the balloon. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So in conclusion, I'm curious, how can our listeners and viewers find you to follow your podcast, work with everything to connect?
0: Absolutely. So you can find my podcast everywhere. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Amazon, it's on Google, it's on Stitcher. So you can find my podcast anywhere. You can find me on social media while I post some funny reels because I like to joke around, but I also like to provide information on mental health. Um, My Instagram handle is at Me. So at I-A-M-B-E-A-U-T-E-O-U-S-me. And that's on my Instagram. You can also go on my website, www.iambeauteousme.com. You can find me, send me a message. I would love to just say hi. I love saying hi to people. <laughs> yes.
1: And you know, and I appreciate that podcasting is how we found each other. And yes. what, you know, for me, podcasting has been just life-changing to to connect with people like you yes. that we would never know were there or I maybe I'd hear your podcast but I'd never think I could reach out to you and have a conversation. so mm-hmm. I'm feeling a lot of gratitude today and I appreciate knowing you beauty. No and I appreciate
0: knowing you and I think that is the beauty of having guests on podcasts. It's like even if we've met for 30 minutes, 40 minutes recording, you leave a lasting impact with mm-hmm. the other person and you feel that immediate connection and, and that's what I appreciate so thank you you know thank you for providing this platform for your listeners this is super exciting and, and well
1: needed right now with everything going on you're welcome and what you just said actually speaks to the mission i i designated the podcast around the mission of changing consciousness one conversation at a time mm-hmm. and it, i think you really captured that that our conversations do regardless of how short or long they are they make a difference yeah yeah
0: so i thank made you for the difference.
1: connections. yeah thank yeah, you no, thank that you make Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Judy, have a really wonderful afternoon. Thank you. You too. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. That concludes my show today, y'all. Just, it's been so nice to be with you today. Please reach out. Let me know topics you would like to hear me cover and find guests about. Or if you know someone who speaks to your question, I would love to be part of that solution and answer. Lisa at nolatherapy.com nolatherapy.com on instagram facebook youtube please follow and subscribe rate and review all things therapy all my love and i'll be with you next week Mwah. you're listening to all things therapy with lisa tahir only on la talk radio